Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're helping you decide what to do with those trash baby books. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Um, I started a, great, a really great essay book last night. It's called intimations by zadie smith um zadie smith is um an author an essayist um all sorts of great things a wonderful thinker of our time um it's just six essays that she wrote during um quarantine she wrote it the big she wrote it this year oh i've heard of this yeah 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 so she wrote it this year it's very it's a very small book i think it's like less than 100 pages and it's just sort of about isolation. Um, the one I read last night was about sort of dealing with this new idea of of death just being kind of among us, but how there are certain communities, particularly I, I think as a lot of us have learned or has come to light in the last few months, the black community uh, or people who are lower income levels and how sickness affects them differently and how... Um, particularly this virus is affecting them differently. Um, But how they've known that all along and suddenly a a lot of us are like, oh, people of color communities are affected more by health problems. You know, like that it's just opened our eyes to a lot of these things. But they're all very personal. It's, um, I liked it so far. I've only read two of the essays, but I think it's fantastic. Um, And if you're looking for, I don't know, something to kind of like process all of this, it's just such a big time. And I think- there's a lot going on, and Zadie Smith is very good at processing this kind of stuff um, and taking it, looking at it personally, but also looking at it in like a wider, broader cultural, uh, cult, in a culture, broader cultural meaning. Um, and it, and it's it's been great. I really like it so far. Uh, what are you reading, Maui? Uh, it's funny whenever. I feel like you and I have some sort of like book link where we're always kind of reading similar books at the same time. Maybe. Without meaning to. The book link. Um, Because I am listening to the audiobook uh, Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings, which Hmm. is a more academic, it is a very, very like scholarly work, but it's very, very interesting. And it's a a book that's all about how, um, you know, the the female body has been politicized and, and radicalized and stigmatized basically throughout history. Um, and, and it sort of tracks, especially through art history, how we went from, oh, skinny women are bad to mm-hmm. fat women are bad. And how uh, the origins of all of that are actually about like take place during this time where people started looking at black women and thinking, oh, that's like, that's not what the body should look like. Mm. And all the racial origins of fat phobia, not just in America, but all over the world and in art history. And it is, it is very dense, but it is very, very interesting because the author is, is absolutely fantastic. And she goes through like, art history and journalism history and like looking at how people talk about women and like beauty standards and particular painters and how they looked at women. And I mean, there were all kinds of painters who like wrote uh, treatises on like, you know, what a like what a perfect woman looks like, like down to measurements and like uh, ratios and stuff. Mm, It's so completely, it's like so completely ridiculous. Like a perfect woman has, has fingers that are this many inches long. It's just, it's absolutely bonkers, but it shows you how we got to this point today uh, where there's so much fat phobia and so much racism and how they, how they interact. So it is like a super, it's not like a, definitely not a beach read, Mm. (laughs) Uh, but it is really important. I'm really glad 
that I'm listening to it. It's like a really good audiobook to have on when you are like wor- like working around the house and like giving you lots of facts and, and will make you look at a lot of things differently. So that's Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings. And mine's Intimations, Six Essays by Zadie Smith. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. This is a particularly special email that we got. Uh, I'm, and we're going to read it in full because it's it's a long one, but it's pretty amazing. Uh, so it's a, actually a follow-up email from Grace, who we helped out on a way earlier episode, like th- two, or, two or three years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so Grace writes in, you both gave me advice back on episode 38 about my bookstagram problem. Wow, 38, my friend- 38. We were like babies back then. I know, back in the day where we could go out in public. Um, My friend told me he was intimidated by all the books I was posting on Instagram, and I asked you two if I should slow down, and you told me to go for it. I remember this one. Yeah. Where our friend was like, you read too many books, and she was, we were like, fuck that guy. Yeah. If it's a problem, <laughs> your friend should mute you. It's not your, your job. Yeah. Uh, and So Grace says, it's kind of crazy how much my bookish life has changed since then. It's become my whole life. And that's thanks in part to you two. I finished my master's degree feeling so disillusioned with academia and had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Reading glasses made me realize that there are so many ways to love books and make them a big part of your life without being a literature teacher. So while working shitty jobs and coffee shops and babysitting, gross, I kept reading and reading, enjoying it more than ever before and getting through books at breakneck speed. Reading glasses provided me with bookish companionship, recommendations, and ways of finding more bookish news. My new in-depth knowledge of the bookish world led me to volunteer at a used bookshop for a charity, which led me to my current job. I'm a bookseller. I love being a bookseller, Yay. and even though I don't... I know, this is so amazing. And even though I don't really make much money, I feel so grateful for my job. I've never worked so hard or been so passionate about a job. I also never thought I'd be one of those people drowning in arcs they can get to, but I am. Being on furlough during the pandemic has been hard, and I really miss giving customers and colleagues book recommendations and seeing every single new book that comes in. The best part is I've actually been making moves towards my long-term goal of becoming a writer. Your advice to just go for it with posting books on Instagram was so helpful. I set up a whole separate Instagram account with a sister blog, breadandbutterbooks.wordpress.com. We'll put a link in the show notes for folks who want to check it out. I got a lot of writing practice in running that blog, and now I have a couple of pieces of writing published. Someone recently approached me about translating an essay I got published. So a huge thank you to the Reading Glasses and the Reading Glasses community for making me realize that books and writing are my entire world, and that's okay. In fact, it's great. I I love this. I absolutely love this. We've actually gotten a couple uh, messages and emails lately about folks who saying that reading glasses like changed their life and they totally make our day. It's the greatest thing. So nice. So nice. And then Grace wrote in with her wheelhouse. Bria, you want to read that? Graphic memoirs. Graphic memoirs of queer people. Memoirs of cult survivors. Wow. I'm seeing a theme here. Memoirs of people who experience intersectional discrimination. Weird indie comic books, punk comics, feminist fiction that's all about bodies, essay collections about funny women, books about death, and progressive books about sex. If it's shocking, gross, riotous, or sexy, count me in. I kinda, I want to see what, what Grace is reading. This is a very, this is very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm really excited to go check out this blog. We this is just amazing. Grace, congratulations. We're so happy that you are happier in life and doing something that you love and you care about and yeah, we love getting emails like this. This is so special. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Um and if you're in the UK, 
uh, today. I um, have a movie playing at a film festival there. Um, it is virtual, so I mean, and you have to, it's again geo-blocked. But if you're in the UK, you can see it. It's called 12 Hour Shift. I wrote and directed it. Um, I don't know how you get individual tickets. I'm sorry. We're recording this like a month out, so I, I don't know. But if you have questions, you can uh, uh, look me up on Twitter and I can probably answer them by the time this comes out. Um, but yeah, it's Fright. It, I'm sorry. The t- movie's called 12 Hour Shift and it's playing at Fright Fest, uh, London Fright Fest um, in the UK. And yeah, if you're in, if you're over in jolly old England, you can watch my movie, 12 Hour Shift. It's a fun uh crazy heist romp um that's a good time you'll laugh a lot it's very it's it's kind of a dark comedy um yeah so check that out reading glasses is supported in part by every plate america's best value meal kit recipes come together in about 30 minutes which is definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store and starting a meal from scratch We're all freaked out to leave the house right now, so what's better than getting your meal delivered to you? Every Plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking for up to 50% less than other major meal kits out there. That's right, if you always wanted to try a meal kit service but were sort of put off by the prices, Every Plate is the one to try, up to 50% less than the other major meal kits. And Every Plate is constantly expanding their shipment zones. So if you live in like a wizard's tower in the middle of a magical forest, you might want to check to make sure your zip code is included where they ship at checkout. And the website is wicked easy to use. There's plenty of delicious meals to choose from, even meals for pescatarians and vegetarians like me and Bria. So you can get three weeks of EveryPlate meals for only $2.99 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code GLASSES3. Three weeks worth of meals for only $2.99 a meal. That's not a lot of money. And you don't have to leave the house. It's perfect. So that's everyplate.com and code GLASSES3 for three weeks of two ninety nine dollars meals. GLASSES3. Schmanners. Noun. Definition. Rules of etiquette designed not to judge others, but rather to guide ourselves through everyday social situations. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. Every week on Schmanners, we take a look at a topic that has to do with society or manners. We talk about the history of it. We take a look at how it applies to everyday life. And we take some of your questions. And sometimes we do a biography about a really cool person that had an impact on how we view etiquette. So join us every Friday and listen to Schmanners on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? This week, we're solving what seems to be an increasingly common book problem. Even though we've briefly discussed this on past episodes, we've gotten a ton of listener emails about it. So we decided to talk about it in depth and give it a whole episode. And there's been quite a few incidents recently where authors said or supported really harmful things online. And that has made fans of those authors heartbroken, upset, and mostly unsure of what to do with the books by those authors that they already own. And we are here to help. And folks, this is not even not even just about J.K. Rowling. There is a big uh, kerfuffle is is a uh, probably not a great word for it. But uh, there was a m- bunch of incidents in the science fiction fantasy community a few weeks ago where a, a 
quite a few authors were, were called out for things, very rightfully so, and has left a lot of fans in their wake kind of reeling and unsure of what to do with those with the books that they have. Folks, we know that this stuff is complicated. If an author said something that reveals them to be a trash baby, you are not a bad person because you still have a connection to their work. Is J.K. Rowling being a trash baby? Absolutely, yes. But that doesn't take away the deep connection to the world of Harry Potter that you grew up with. But this stuff is not black and white. Yeah, it's not black and white. And I think, like, it would be so easy if it was. It would be so easy yes. if we were like, I only love good authors and good work. That's that's 100% uh, on the up and up all the time, and the author has never done anything wrong in their life. Guess what? Authors are people. Probably every author you like has done something shitty. Um, just, I, I hate to tell you this. Um, I, we've all done shitty things. I think what's really important here is to acknowledge that the communities that have been created around authors' work, I'm specifically thinking about Harry Potter. I'm specifically thinking about J.K. Rowling with this. Um, there's amazing communities that have been created around Harry Potter. Uh, in fact, there's a summer camp I know of that got sued for using the Harry Potter name, but it's an amazing summer camp, um, which I think is fucked up in the first place. We should have known. We should have known this was going to go downhill when they got sued. Um, but I think art is meant to be interpreted, applied, and used in whatever way you want. And yeah, maybe the artist meant for it to be a certain way, but that doesn't mean that you can't take it and create something amazing out of it. It doesn't mean that these things aren't influential to us. Um, I love what's happening with H.P. Lovecraft. We talked about a lot about this on the show, all the rehabbing of stuff that... Um, taking Lovecraftian um, themes and books and everything and, and making them your own. Because I think the, you can't acknowledge, you can't not acknowledge what these things have done to influence you as an artist, influence you as a person. And, and that's totally okay. And I think it's important to not shame people as well. And I think that's the thing I'm advocating for is that, you know, if your friend uh, maybe loves Lovecraft and maybe doesn't know this stuff about Lovecraft, that's okay. You can inform your friend, but that doesn't mean you have to shame them. It, you know, give them a couple of black authors that are doing cool shit with Love, Lovecraft work, um, but it doesn't mean you have to, like, throw them under the bus for liking tentacles. You know what I mean? Like, so I think I think it's, it's important for us to try to educate ourselves as much, much as possible, but we're not advocating... Uh, shaming other people. We're not advocating that you suddenly have to, you know, go blow up Harry Potter world at Universal Studios. <laughs> I, it, this yeah. doesn't take away your experience with it, if that makes sense. Yes. What we're trying to what we're trying to say is that it's normal and it's okay to be be conflicted about this stuff. It's, yeah. it's totally totally normal and okay to be like, wow. The, the things that J.K. Rowling is saying about trans people or is really upsetting to me. It's harmful to people. I don't support it and I don't want to give her money in the future. But I also had a really positive experience with the world of Harry Potter when I was growing up and it was really formative for me in some ways. Oh, gosh, I don't know what to do now. You know, both can so exist you, in the same world. Those can both exist. And that doesn't mean one is wrong and one is not wrong. Yes. So for what you're saying, you don't have to take all your Harry Potter books and dump them in the trash if you don't want to. You absolutely can if you want. Sure. And that's that's also understandable. Uh, but you don't have to. Uh, you can donate them, but it's okay, also okay to feel weird about spreading those books around. It's okay to have really complicated feelings all around that will take you a minute to sort out. No one's going to bust into your home and yell at you. <laughs> the Harry Potter police are here. They're here. They, and they're uh, what are they called? Take- uh, Aurors? Oh, yeah, right. I don't know. This is my lack of Harry Potter knowledge. Oh, it was. I did see a really funny tweet that someone was like, "We should have known when at the end of the Harry Potter books, Harry Potter became a cop." <laughs> <laughs> 
So one listener, Igor, wrote in, I'd like to share my own approach to dealing with an author you'd like you like turning out to be a trash baby. I have a cabinet under my desk that has one tiny and one huge drawer. You could probably fit a trash baby author inside, but I've been putting their books in there instead. I'm doing this and not giving the books away because I've decided to not only vote with with my wallet reading the future books I buy, but also um, to not be responsible for giving them to new fans. Of course, I don't relish sticking books I liked in the drawer capitalized and i will say the drawer is capitalized yeah which makes it (laughs) uh but i like not supporting trash persons more than i like reading those books should any of the authors ever make amends or better themselves i'll gladly return the books to the shelves but not before i think that's that's great what do you think about the drawer i love i'm obsessed with the drawer (laughs) i think it's incredible uh so you can do like this listener does and and stick books in the drawer uh or you can hide them behind the front facing books on your bookshelf until you decide you can also keep them if they meant something to you it's not like you're continuously giving the author money by owning these books or you know it's not and it's not like you're posting about them every day yeah yeah and if you want to get rid of them you can always recycle them don't forget um you or you can use the pages for for book art for blackout poetry um and any place that like uh there's probably a lot of school programs that you could use donate your books to so that people could use them you know if you have a book like <laughs> so to say if you have mind comp maybe don't donate it to a school but also you probably knew that was <laughs> maybe written by a trash baby before you bought it <laughs> and also he's not getting any money so anyway um but there are lots of options yeah, there are a lot of options and you don't have to decide right away. It's okay to be really hurt when an author says or does something shitty. It sucks. And it's okay to take the time to decide how you feel about it and what you want to do with those books. Bria, what do you what do you do when this when this happens? Well, because I don't buy many physical books, I looked on my shelf and I don't have any books that I suddenly was like, oh, I forgot I owned this. Although I know I still, just speaking of like random things that I've realized, there's some people that I completely disagree with that I realize I still follow on Twitter because I'm not on Twitter that much. And I was like, oh no. It's it's funny you brought that up because somebody actually did tweet at the Reading Glasses account. They're like, hey, you guys still follow JK Rowling? And I totally forgot because I mostly just post stuff on our Twitter. I don't look at, I just look at our notifications. And I was like, I was so grateful. I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Well, if you follow more than like 50 people, how would you ever realize that? Unless you're on it all day. I go on it and I'm probably on it for like less than five minutes every day. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I realized it. Although, like, I don't love the policing of other people's Twitters. I just think that that starts to get creepy at some point. Um, so I don't have any books, but I will say um, in the same vein, I have a lot of DVDs in our house and some are made by people that I very much disagree with. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it. Movies are a little different, obviously, because to make a book, it takes a lot less people than it takes to make a movie. When you make a movie, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people involved in the making of this movie. Um, And there are, and I can tell you from personal experience, sometimes you put a lot of work into a movie and then it turns out someone you're involved with is a trash baby. And you're like, oh no, is no one going to watch all the years of my life I put into this movie? And that does happen. And I am not all about punishing, you know, this actress who got her first speaking line in this movie because the director turns out to be a, a shithead or something. Um, anyway, I don't get rid of these DVDs. I keep them. Um, I rewatch them for research all of the time. I study the camera moves. I study the acting. I enjoy the movies. I'm just not buying them again. And I don't want to get rid of them in case I need them again. Because <laughs> there's maybe that means I'm a hoarder. I guess that's what the conclusion is. I'm a hoarder. But uh, I just, I, I guess because I use some movies 
that I'm like, I don't want to purchase them. I don't want to rent them again. It's better to almost to just keep the copies in case I actually do want to watch, you know. Sounds like you need a drawer. Sounds like I need a drawer. Well, my movies aren't really on display anyway. But I think if you think about it, for me, I think about it like this. And this is the way I feel like I try to live my life generally, but it is not it is not a dictation for anybody else, um, is that I'm trying to make sure my money is being spent in a place where my dollar is stretched the most, right? Where like I can buy shit on Etsy instead of Amazon because those dollars are going to go to a person who made something by hand, right? Or um, I can pay to rent an indie movie, but not necessarily a studio movie. Or a studio movie, if I think, if it's like directed by someone who I really want to make sure they get more jobs. Um, or um, I, I try to buy um, a lot of used stuff from pe- people who are selling them on Craigslist. Stuff like that. Like that, for me, feels like conscious consuming. Um, and we live in a capitalist society. And unfortunately, your dollar matters. Um, whether you like it or not, your wonderful personality matters to me and it matters to Mallory, but <laughs> but when we look at uh, what gets made um, artist-wise, it actually, your dollar, where your dollar go mat- goes matters the most. So anyway, if I had a Harry Potter book, I'd probably put it in a drawer. <laughs> That's my conclusion. The drawer. I am so upset. I just imagine it's like painted black and like there's bars on it and it's like really ominous looking. It's like, oh, you're going in the drawer. Yeah, or like, I don't know. I mean, if I thought someone, if I thought it would spark a conversation with someone who also loves Harry Potter, but also any of my friends would also have sort of uh, like, oh, Harry Potter. Can you believe J.K. Rowling? And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, but don't you love Harry Potter? And I'd be like, yeah. Like, we could have a full conversation about it. Um, what What are you doing with your trash baby books? For me, it really depends on the author. Um, so for authors like Lovecraft, you're not going to see that on my shelves anymore. You know, you don't, there's no H.P. Lovecraft books on my shelves. Um, but with J.K. Rowling, you know, we, Jeremy and I are still deciding what to do with these books. Uh, in general, I'm most likely to either recycle or donate books, uh, depending on the author. Because, uh, you know, all the situations get complicated. Is Harry Potter going to stay on summer reading lists for kids? Yes. Is it better that those kids buy used copies of those mm-hmm. books interesting absolutely so where are those used copies going to come from um you know we've gotten arcs this has happened a bunch of times we've gotten arcs from authors that i know to be trash babies and i put them i open the box and i pick out the arc and it goes directly into the recycling bin and the most important thing is what we said on the show like don't give them money going forward don't support them don't follow them it, uh, something that really depends here is like is that author alive and going to to benefit from what, what how is this author going to benefit from from this stuff and like bria said it's it's conscious consuming you know it's such so much more right now i think it's so much more important to to support marginalized authors than it is to focus on how shitty jk rowling has been you know what i mean for sure for sure and i think i think um i mean i Personally, like when you go on Twitter or you go on social media, there is a big, I think it's so much easier to say something, not even on Twitter, in life, it's easier to trash something, it's easier to say something negative than to go and find something positive about someone that maybe no one's ever heard of. Like that is, like to go support a smaller author, to go support an author of color, to go support a trans author is more difficult than saying, I hate JK Rowling and then you get a round of applause, you know, like I, and that for me, I think, 
I don't know. I don't love the negative take on on the way the culture is leaning. Personally, I think it's I think it's not. Um, I don't. Well, I don't think it's positive, which makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> but I think that is much. It's so easy to say you hate something. Um, and and that's good, and it's good for you to dislike the things that you don't like, and and we also don't like Harry Potter. I mean, don't like J.K. Rowling. Um, but I think it's much harder to go out and find things that you think do support the things that you like. Yes. Uh, honestly, whatever you're looking for in a book, you can find it in an author who isn't a trash baby. You could find it in an author who needs that support, who is a marginalized author in some way. I would rather take all of the focus and all of the clicks and all of the everything that we're putting on JK Rowling right now and focus it on trans authors that are writing similar stories that are actually beneficial to like trans kids who are reading it and, you know, and are seeing everything that's happening with JK Rowling right now and feeling hurt and scared. And, you know, and I, I'd rather start repairing the harm that she has done rather yeah. than just like giving her more focus. Like, cause that's the only thing JK Rowling has right now. You know, she has all, that's the only thing we can take away from her. She's got all the money in the world. You know, let's, let's stop giving her what she wants and giving her those clicks. I didn't even, I really didn't even want to do another episode like this, but we had so many people. We got a lot of really emotional emails yeah. from people who truly are, are hurt and confused and not sure what to do with those books. But what we're saying here is the fact that you are worried about this is, is normal and it's okay. But on, when it comes down to it, what you do with those books is what makes you feel most comfortable and what does the most good in the world. The thing that is important is how you go forward and making sure that we are supporting trans authors, supporting books that make trans kids feel seen and, and happy and accepted in the world. That's really the work that we need to be doing. You can do whatever you want with those books, put them in a drawer, recycle them. What, like it truly, it, it doesn't matter as much as, as what you do going forward. Yeah. And, and I just want to say like the people who wrote us, this is why it was important for us to do it again, because we want to acknowledge your pain, like that it is sucks. It sucks. You're allowed to be like, this sucks for me. It does suck for you. It sucks for you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that like, turns out this thing that was really important to you, the person has a disagreement with you, but that doesn't mean, again, it doesn't make the thing less important to you. And it doesn't invalidate your entire childhood which is I think what people yes. were feeling and it doesn't invalidate your friends that you've made who also love Harry Potter it doesn't it doesn't invalidate your love of the book it doesn't invalidate the book it doesn't make the book bad that that's the I mean I know it'd be easier if it did it doesn't it just makes JK Rowling not a wonderful person yeah she fucking sucks and I'm it's okay to be mad at her She's we're mad at her trash baby <laughs> we're mad at her too and there's a lot of other you know and I saw it personally because I'm in, you know very involved in this this is this is getting off into a, a tangent but I know this is really means a lot of stuff to people uh it, it happened uh I'm I'm very involved in the science fiction fantasy community and I saw and you know it ha also happened in the horror community the, the, with uh, with filmmakers and podcasters and, and I but I saw a lot of folks who were sort of reeling in the wake of these male authors uh getting called out for uh, some very serious and awful Me Too type allegations. People were like, well, what do I do? I have all these signed books. I have this stuff like uh, I'm so upset and I'm so hurt. These are people I looked up to like that is all fucking absolutely valid. Mm -hmm. You know, it is it is 
okay to feel awful about it even if like you don't know these authors but these worlds meant something to you you took the time out of your day to read their books or spend money on them or go to their signings or or follow them on twitter or whatever like whatever you did to support them and it's okay to feel betrayed and upset like it fucking sucks yeah i think i think you need to know because you own this book you are not canceled like you are not this is not no one's gonna bust into your home and be (laughs) and 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 do a bookshelf inspection (laughs) book shelf inspector here yeah, it's it's just it's not going to happen. The thing that I think I think readers need to I mean, Bria and I are going to do what we do best and we are going to absolve you of some of your book guilt. And we yeah. would rather that you focus on, on on going forward and like, OK, yes, now we know that this whatever author you're having this problem with, we, we know now that they should not be supported. Okay. What you do next is what matters. You know, you are, you can use your dollars. You can use your Twitter follows. You can use your library holds. There's a lot of different ways to, to support marginalized authors and authors that really, really need your help. Because especially the funny part is a lot of, a lot of these authors are, are ones that already have huge platforms, you know, they like, it, and there's so we we've done many many episodes recommending great great authors that probably probably need those that support and those pre-orders and all those things uh quite badly <laughs> so there there's a like there's there's a lot that you can do you know i think a lot of folks are feeling really helpless and confused but it's what you do going forward as we keep saying that 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 matters and we are we're absolving you of your book guilt do whatever you need stick those books in 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 book jail stick them in a drawer stick them in the recycling bin feed them to an alligator like whatever you need to do to feel okay it's all fine uh so you can send your thoughts to read glasses podcast at gmail.com before we test out some truly ridiculous book tech we're going to take a quick break Judge John Hodgman won a Webby in the comedy podcast category. After 10 years of production, Judge John Hodgman has finally won the Susan Lucci of the Webbies. What is Judge John Hodgman? Comedy writer and television personality John Hodgman settles disputes between friends, family, co-workers, partners, and more. Is Machine Gun a robot? Should a grown adult tell his parents about his tattoos? Should a family be compelled to wear matching outfits on vacation? Listen to Judge John Hodgman to find out the answers to these age-old disputes and more. If you haven't listened to Judge John Hodgman, now is a great time to start. Judge John Hodgman is available on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's test out some book tech advances in bookish technology. This week, I, we've, we've tested out some really ridiculous things on, on reading glasses, but it takes the cake for most ridiculous book light we have ever gotten. <laughs> That's right, folks. This is a dinosaur-themed reading headlamp. What's funny about it <laughs> is that neither one of us can remember who put this on the reading glasses wish list. By the way, no one knows what that noise just was. It just sounded like it was a sound effect that like, it's like the new wow, wow. But that's oh the my noise God. the headlamp makes. We should, we should, uh, you know, I was going to say we should use it on the show, but I don't know. Maybe the person who created this will email us and, and sue us. Um, 
But yeah, so when we put this on the wish list, we truly did not realize that it makes noise. <laughs> Which we'll get to that noise and dissect that in a moment. But does you want to describe uh, what this is, Mallory? Yeah, so this is a reading, specifically for reading. It is a headlamp that straps onto your head with a stretchy strap. Why do you and think the it's light, for reading? Because it said reading on the package. It did? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and the light is inside the mouth of the head of a plastic Tyrannosaurus Rex that is stuck to the front. Uh, and the, I don't know, it's like the size of a small fist, like the head of the plastic dinosaur. And the light is inside of his mouth and it shines out. The problem is that every time you turn it on, it makes this dinosaur roar. You cannot use this headlamp without it making the roar. It has to roar to turn on. I thought that you had to press it every time, but actually um, you, uh, you press it once and the light, the light stays on. Um, yeah. Bria, what did you think of this headlamp? Well, okay. First of all, I will just say I did put it on. It's quite comfortable. It's a comfortable headlamp. So if you're looking for a comfortable headlamp, this could be the case if you are open to one that screams at you every time that you turn (laughs) it on. (laughs) Can we talk about this noise for a second? Now... This dinosaur this is, is excited about books. What I think a T-Rex sounds like. That sounds like a man falling off a cliff. Like it sounds like a man going, ah! Like, it doesn't sound, and it's three times. By the way, I have to do that every time I want to turn this damn thing on. Um, wow, this thing, I love that neither of us, you were like, did you put this on here? And I was like, no. And then I was like, I maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I was like, that's funny. That's very funny. I was laughing really, really hard because when we were, te- we were texting about it and Bria was like, Mallory, I think I'm letting you taking the fa- take the fall for this, but I might have been I could have done it. It could have been me. By the way, it says on the thing, uh, and we lost who gave it to us and we're so sorry, but we will give you a shout out if you want to tell us who you are. Um, Please email us if you sent us the dinosaur thing. It says, perfect for camping, hiking, reading, and parties. What dark-ass party are you going to where you're like, I got to wear my headlamp to this cave party unless everyone knows where I am because it screams. Um, (laughs) And maybe that's why it screams so people can find you at the cave party. So I would say for me personally, this is a one out of five pages. But for a kid, man, this would have been the peak of fun. When I was a kid, I had these... um, Maybe my cousin had them, but I can think of them as mine. But they were like uh, uh, dinosaur feet slippers like they looked like dinosaur feet and you put them on and when you walked around it sounded like you were like stomping like a dinosaur did you oh my god now i had monster feet slippers when i was a kid but they didn't make fucking noises yeah they like stomp so i think maybe my cousin had them and i would just put them on when i went over to his house but like i thought they were so cool folks can't see it right now but bria is doing a really great impression of a stomping stomping dinosaur but i mean if i had gotten this dinosaur headlamp when i was when i was a kid i would have thought this was the peak of humor i would have thought it was very funny very fun. I could run around. I would pretend like I was in a cave, turn on my dinosaur light. Oh, no. What's that noise? Um, I just like the fact. And it also, actually is a good light. Like the light is good. The only problem is when you turn it on, it's so goddamn loud. <laughs> oh, wow, Mallory. I just got an update to my phone that said Harold the Ninth is ready from the library. That's so exciting. I got it like nice. came on my phone while we were talking. Mallory, I just got one this morning that my copy, my paper, my copy of City of Girls is finally ready. Oh, for my God. You're going to like it. Um, Mallory, um, what did you think of this thing? Uh, wow, I hate it so much. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry whoever sent this. We don't know who put it on there, but I think it's very funny. 
Yeah. Uh, this thing, it was quite a day when we got this in the mail because I, I texted a picture of it to, we have a ongoing text chain between me and Bria and Sean and Bria's fiance. And Bria's fiance was immediately like, Mallory, don't you dare bring that in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, but I did, I, I do agree with Bria. I think there is a good use for it. First off, I, I, I think our difference in how we think about this light is because my head is much bigger than yours. You're, I have a big head. Oh, this, it fit was not little, comf- this fit my little pea-sized head perfectly. Like, I, have, I, I just have a little, like, bean of a head. And, like, this is, like, the perfect, which is weird because people, the other day John told me, um, he was like, you know, you kind of have, like, a big head for your body. And I was like... I don't think so. I think I have a little tiny head, but I also have a tiny body. So, like, I'm just, like, a mini person all Bria's around. Bria's just a little gremlin. <laughs> just a little gremlin. Um, I'm just a little person. That's all it is. But, yes. I have a, but I have a very large head, especially since I also wear glasses. So, I have a hard time, uh, you know, I just have a hard time with head 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 accessories. Mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of stuff on my head. Uh, so, it's not comfortable. It was not comfortable for me. Uh it is loud as fuck. Yeah. Um, and I was laughing really hard because when we got this, Bria said, said she was like, wow, Mallory, for someone looking for a light that won't wake up Jeremy, you probably found the absolute <laughs> worst one. <laughs> so it's not, not good for using in bed while your partner sleeps. Uh, also, because I think because I have this big adult head, the angle of the light coming out of the dinosaur's mouth made it hard for me to read. It was like it, oh. like it was like angled higher than the book would be. Um, so it was zero out of five. Wow. Zero. Okay. All right. Okay. No, no, no pages for me. This was not good for my large adult body and my large adult head. That being said, I actually think this would be really great for a kid that you're trying to get to read more. I I think it might make a kid really excited to read and put on their dinosaur light and hear the roar. I would five out of five pages for a child. Like I, I I think if I was a kid who didn't like to read, but I imagine the dinosaur, the roar, the roar being translated as yay, it's time to read some books. Like I actually think this would be fucking great for a kid. Uh, Except all parents at home are like, but I don't want that noise around my house right no, now. No, you Every don't. Every parent is like, please don't, please, please don't say five out of five for kids. Um, I will say this gets a one out of five because in an apocalyptic situation, I would go dinosaur light before I'd go no light. You know what I mean? Like I <laughs> yeah. would, like the light is bright. I can handle it. If I had to read an apocalypse, this would be fine. <laughs> I'm a mad, I, I, I love thinking about like a Fury Road scenario, but Bria is where it's like in yeah. all leather chaps, but with this dinosaur light on. We'll put a photo of this on our Instagram because it's very funny. Yes, we will take take photos with this really ridiculous light. But yeah, I think that the, if you if you have a kid and you're struggling to get him or her or them to uh, to be excited about reading, this would probably be. Absolutely wonderful. Thank Just, you. Thank, I don't know. Maybe. Thank you for ever since this. By the way, Mallory and I have been laughing about it for many days. Yes. Uh, also, if you, when we're done with this, um, my Jer- one of Jeremy's best friends kids loves dinosaurs and we can totally give it to him oh, because nice. he will. Great. Perfect. If you want us to test out some book tech, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request. Morgan writes in, I've recently turned 30 and have started exploring my sexuality and attraction to women. However, most of the books about the subject tend to focus on teens coming of age while coming out. As a grown-ass woman with a mortgage and a career, I find the coming of age distracting and the questions explored don't really relate so much to those of us who might have figured out a lot about our lives uh, than our teenage selves and are exploring love and sexuality outside of high school, our parents' homes, or any other restrictive set of circumstances. Would love to read any recommendations you 
you might have about thriving adults who explore their sexuality in a way that is not necessarily set against the backdrop of family acceptance, summer romance, or leaving for college. Bria, what do you think? Okay, wow. Um, I just have to say, uh, Morgan is totally right. This is way fucking harder than it should be. I asked friends. I did Googling to try to jumpstart my mind. Um, Morgan is totally right. And I apologize on behalf of the bookish community everywhere. Um, In my Googling, I would search and everything queer slash LGBTQ related comes up YAYYA. And I was like, whoa. Um, My first thought was red, white, and royal blue, which is... um, it's, it's not about uh, lesbians or women, but it is about men. But they're not, they're only a little older than teenagers. And it, I think the reason it, th- it came up for me, because I was like, well, they're dealing with like world politics. So that felt like bigger than worrying about what their parents think, but they're so worried about what their parents think, you know? And so that, that was interesting. That was, um, that was tough. I also thought about Samantha Irby. Um, yes. Essay collections, I think might be good for Morgan because um, it's about adulting, um, as a queer woman, um, and I think she does a really good job of talking about um, dating. I mean, it's funny in her last book, it, her, there was a whole essay about like trying to make adult friends as a woman, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, but I, uh, I was, I was having a lot of trouble with this. I reached out to so many friends, and I finally, I talked to my friend whose name is Gray, and um, she sent me a bunch. Um, and a couple that I I was like, oh yeah, these could be really good. One I haven't read, um, which is the Patricia Patricia Highsmith book, The Price of Salt. It's a classic, and the movie Carol is based on it, which could oh, be yeah, an yeah. interesting an interesting one. Um, I was just Mallory. I'm going to forward this email to you so you can send it on um, to Morgan. But um, she also recommended um, her body and other parties, but which is which is uh, has some queer stuff in it. But she also recommended some really fun. Um, like sci- sci-fi stuff, like um, the prin- Princess of Dorsa. Princess of Dorsa, which I heard is really good. But Mallory, I'm going to send you this whole list that my friend made um, to send over to Morgan because I feel like these will be helpful. Um, what, what, did you, what did you think about? Uh, I would say I do want to second Samantha Irby because I, there's a bunch of really great essays in her. I believe it's her second collection, which is We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Uh, but it's about dating the woman who is now her wife. And there's mm-hmm. a, I particularly remember there's a really great essay about the first time she buys a strap on and they're like, she's trying to figure out like how to wear it. And then the cat ends up like attacking it while it's on the bed. It's extremely fucking funny, but it's just like that kind of stuff. It's like, cause there's no Samantha Irby. There's no like uh, coming out essay in the, in that collection. It's just about like her exploring her, her relationship with the woman who is now her wife and in a, in a very, very funny way. Uh, but for fiction, uh, my recommendation, Morgan, you got to fucking read mostly dead things by Kristen Arnett. Uh, it was one of my favorite books of last year, uh, trigger warning for suicide. Um, but it's right in the beginning of the book and it's, uh, you, it, it, it can be really, really upsetting. So just trigger warning for that. Um, and it isn't necessarily about someone who is thriving, uh, at least at the start of the book. The At least at the start of the book, the main character is sort of a, a hot mess. Uh, but it's about a woman in Florida who is in her, I believe she's in her late 30s, and she's trying to make her late father's taxidermy business stay afloat while holding her broken, totally bonkers families together. Um, she is a lesbian, and she's trying to explore her sexuality and figure out how to be in a healthy relationship. Uh, it is so good and so funny and so compelling. It's just fucking wonderful. Uh, but it's definitely, it's not like a, Ooh, I'm coming out story. It's just about like a woman, like trying to deal with her shit and trying to figure out like how to, how to be 
like how to communicate well in a relationship and figure out what she wants. And like, this is one woman that she's like trying to figure out how to date, but she's afraid of intimacy and like, she's trying to like stuff ducks while figuring out her finances. It's just, it's so, so good. So that is uh, mostly dead things by Kristen Arnett and Bria had a big list. But yeah. That's, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I, and <laughs> refer to my list. Refer to list. Uh, so if you want us to answer a recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and stickers and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. We finally hit a thousand. We are taking recommendations for things we should do now that we have hit a thousand reviews. Uh, it's great for us. It helps us reach more readers. Uh, it just makes us feel wonderful about ourselves. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. You can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.